song you've just sung, written 1905, by Sevilla Martin, whose husband led tent revivals, and she wrote many a song for her husband's revivals. Where does the song come from? It comes from her neighbors, who she thought were the most glorious people on this earth. Joy and enthusiasm coming forth from them like a beacon. There was one difficulty, however. The next-door neighbor was bedfast for the last 20 years of her life. And her husband was wheelchair-bound for the last 20 years of his life. And one day she had the temerity to ask them, How come when I'm in your presence, I always see joy? And how come when I'm in your presence, I always feel this great calm? What is your secret? And the neighbor lady said to her, Matthew 6 is my secret. I do not worry about anything because the one who created this universe knows all about me. And he knows all about my husband. And he knows all about the sparrows. And I've always figured that if he takes care of the sparrows, that he will do what he has promised in Matthew 6. He will take care of my husband and me. And then she said to Sevilla Martin, And if that was not enough... Then Matthew 10 is my source of joy because it says not a sparrow falls to the ground without him knowing it. And I and my husband are more value than countless sparrows. And after that conversation, Sevilla Martin went back to her house. She got out a sheet of paper and she wrote the song that you have just sung. 117 years later, she wrote that song. I sing uh, because I'm happy. We understand that. But what does it mean when it says, I sing because I'm free? For his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. The places of the Passion, Ash Wednesday, Jerusalem... Why did Jesus have to be sacrificed in Jerusalem? Because there was no other place. God had assigned Jerusalem and the temple to be the place of sacrifices. That is why the Jews, though there were synagogues all over the land, when it came to the burnt offerings and the wave offerings and the thank offerings, they had to be done in Jerusalem, in the temple. That is why that town... uh, of 30,000 people would grow to a million and a half during the major festivals, Leviticus 23, especially the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and the Day of the Passover. There was no other place that the Lamb of God could die save Jerusalem, the Axis Monday of the world. And then last week we visited a little village, suburb of Jerusalem, village was named Bethany, the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It is six months before the Passion of our Lord, but it ties in with the Passion 
Because when he knocks on that door, Martha throws the door open, says, come on in, Jesus, sit right here. And as soon as he's seated, she heads for the kitchen. And that's where she sequesters herself, in the kitchen. Where's her sister Mary? She's sitting at Jesus' feet. And she's drinking in every word he has to say. And she's devouring every promise that comes out of his lips. How beneficial will it be six months later? Her brother is nigh unto death. And it's Mary whose faith is stronger, says to Martha, let's get Jesus down here. He'll touch Lazarus. Lazarus will live. And when Lazarus dies and when Jesus raises him from the dead, it is two days later, it's the home of Simon the leper. And Mary and Martha are there. What is Martha doing? She's serving the meal. Not surprised. And what is Mary doing? She's sitting at his feet. Is she listening to his word? No, she's not listening to his word. She listened to it six months ago. And she remembered every word of promise that he had spoken. What is she doing at his feet? She's pouring out a jar of perfume upon his feet and drying them with her hair. Jerusalem, Bethany, and now the Mount of Olives. Mark fourteen twenty six. It is the night in which our Lord is betrayed by Judas. The soldiers will come to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is located on the Mount of Olives. He has already spoken these words to his disciples, John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. I am going there to prepare a place for you, and I will come back and take you to be with me, that you might be where I am. He had already spoken those words. He had already instituted the Lord's Supper for the first time. Matthew 26, verse 26. He took the bread, broke it. Take heed, this is my body. And then the cup, take drink, this is my blood. He had already done that. And after they had had the Lord's Supper, they sang a hymn. And after they sang the hymn, they go to the Mount of Olives. Jesus says two things to the eleven disciples. Judas Iscariot is already gone. He's already received the thirty pieces of silver from the scribes and Pharisees. He's already said to them, we're going to go into the garden. He's going to be there for sure. And they're kind of all going to look the same. So you watch carefully. The one who I kiss, he's the one. He's Jesus. All of that's happened. And after they sung the hymn, you and I, when we sing hymns, we're uplifted momentarily, are we not? The disciples are uplifted. They've sung Psalm 118, I'll talk about it in a moment. They've already sung it, their spirits are lifted. And out of Jesus' mouth comes these words. You will all fall away. They're not uplifted any longer. Out of his mouth comes the words, you'll all fall away. Satan will sift you like wheat. Satan will win for the moment. You'll all fall away. You'll listen to the whispers of Satan and you'll abandon me unto death. Your fear will be far stronger than your faith. 
you will run away. But he didn't stop there. He said, the victory will come to you. Because after I am raised from the dead, you will follow me into Galilee. After I'm raised from the dead, you who run away from me will come back to me, and you'll follow me into Galilee. And the Holy Spirit will be upon you, and you become obsessed with one thing and one thing only. You become obsessed with me, my word, the kingdom, and my promises. You'll be so obsessed that some of you will stick around in Jerusalem, and some will go to Galilee, and some of you will go to the very ends of the earth. You will abandon me, but I will not abandon you. The Holy Spirit will win the battle for your soul. And then you shall serve my kingdom. They sang a hymn. And Jesus joined him in singing the hymn. And 30 minutes after he sung the hymn, he's lying face down in the garden of Gethsemane, and he's sweating drops of blood. And out of his mouth will come these words, Father, if it's possible, all things are possible for you, Abba Father. Remove this cup of suffering from me. You're very wise, God. You created the universe. If there's some other way to pay the penalty for mankind's sin, let this happen some other way. Get your book out and figure out some other way to do this. But then he said, Not my will... That's what I want for my daily bread. But if it's not your will or your wisdom for my daily bread to be that, not my will, but thine be done. Not my human wisdom, but yours. On a night such as this, no other night in the history of mankind, as Satan battles God and the Son of God will die, on such a night, as they sing this hymn. Why do they do that? Why do they sing this hymn? Because that's what you did when you celebrated the Passover once a year. That's what you did. You and I have certain traditions for Thanksgiving. And heaven forbid those, those uh, traditions are disrupted. Amen. We have certain traditions for Easter and for Christmas. Heaven forbid. They had a tradition for the Passover. Passover happened around 1400 B.C. Moses born 1500 B.C. 1400 B.C. The Passover angel of death passes over the homes of the Israelites with the blood of the lamb on the lintel and the doorpost. About 800 years went by before the Jews celebrated Passover. 600 B.C. is when they celebrated for the first time. And if you were here for the Seder meal two or three years ago, we followed every line that they followed when they celebrated the Passover. There were certain words that you spoke. The head of the house made a comment and the family had a response. There were certain foods that were eaten. And after the foods were eaten... And after the words were spoken and after the scriptures were read, they sang a hymn. 
to close off the Passover. And what was the hymn? There were a set of psalms, Psalm 113 to 118. They're called the Egyptian Halil, the Egyptian praise songs. They celebrated the victory that God gave when he opened up the waters of the Red Sea and the Israelites walked through unharmed and the armies of Pharaoh were crushed under the waters of that sea. Psalm 118 is what they sang. Listen carefully. When they sang Psalm 118, I'm going to read certain verses. The disciples are thinking about one thing. They're thinking about God's deliverance in the past. And while Jesus is singing this hymn, he is not thinking of the deliverance of the Israelites 1,400 years earlier. He is thinking about the battle that will come, not against Pharaoh, but against Satan himself. The battle against sin, death, and the power of the devil. That is what is floating through his mind when he is singing this hymn. Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And the disciples are thinking about something 1,400 years ago. And Jesus is thinking about something that's going to happen in the next 24 hours. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Verse 6, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Jesus is singing that. The Lord is with with me as my helper. I will look in triumph upon my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in men. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. This is what Jesus is thinking about when he's singing the hymn. I will not die, but live, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. I will give you thanks, O God, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The Lord is God. He has made his light shine upon us. He will grant us the victory. Oh, my goodness. I said last week that God does nothing in an arbitrary manner. And 630 years earlier, when they were picking the hymns to sing at the close of the Passover festival, God already knew 630 years later that his son would be singing this hymn before he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. And God picks this hymn so that his son is strengthened as he goes into that battle. My goodness gracious. God does nothing in an arbitrary manner. And Jesus knew as he was singing the hymn, the victory would be his. Let me ask you this question. When do you normally sing? You sing when you are happy, as she wrote in that song. You sing when you are happy, 
What is the first song in the Bible? Do you know? If you're the eighth graders, I'd ask you, offer you $5 for the correct answer. And then all of a sudden you'd wake up and your hands would go up. What was your question again, Pastor? I heard $5. What is the first song in the Bible? Offering you $5? No. <laughs> Miriam, you get the $5. Send it in pennies, Dale. The song of Moses, song of Miriam, Exodus 15. First song in the Bible, what's it about? It's about the deliverance of the Israelites from their imminent death. Red Sea's in front of them, Pharaoh's behind them. They stand no chance. And when God opens up those waters and they walk through those waters, you are not surprised that Moses and Miriam would write a song Miriam sings it in her soprano voice. And it's a song of greatest joy. Are there other songs sung in the Bible for those who are happy? David. David's in Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant is coming back to Jerusalem. It's coming back to the temple. And David is beside himself. He's not just singing, he's dancing. And his wife says to him, you're acting like a fool. And he says to her, I am filled with joy because the Ark of the Covenant is returning. Who else sings for joy? The angels. Luke 15.10, the angels rejoice. They sing whenever any sinner repents. And in Luke chapter 2, they are singing because the mediator... The chemotherapy, the radiation for sin is about to be born. Jesus Christ, and they can't hold it in. They are singing from heaven to this earth because the Savior has come. And in Revelation 7, the angels are singing in front of the throne of God 24 hours a day. I don't know if you don't sleep in heaven I don't know if they have a hundred different choirs and they all take turns. But they're always singing before the throne of God. It's one thing to sing when you're happy. But what about singing when you're not? We always read a responsive hymn, but I couldn't pass by Second Chronicles 5. King Jehoshaphat, the Moabites, their arch enemies. Who's going to win? The Moabites will win. They are trained soldiers. Israel does not stand a chance. King Jehoshaphat says, I will put people in front of the army. And your first thought is his best warriors, right? He's going to put his best warriors in front of the army. He doesn't put warriors in front of the army. He puts singers The insanity of this. King Jehoshaphat puts singers in front of the army. Let's get the choir and let's have them lead us into battle. And what are they doing as they lead the army into the slaughter that will come against the Moabites? What are they doing? They are singing hymns to God. And as Pastor Shower read it, the Moabites were defeated, and the Israelites had won. 
The second reading also chose in Acts 16. Paul and Silas have been beaten nigh unto death. And then they have been flogged. They've been whipped. Bone and metal attached to the whips. They have been whipped. They probably could not walk into prison. They had to be carried there. And when they're in prison, then their feet are put into shackles. And at midnight, what are they doing in the midst of such intense pain? What are they doing for Pete's sake? They are singing. Are they out of their mind? They are singing hymns to God. They are singing. I sing because I'm happy. They weren't. I sing because I'm free. They were. They were. The Apostle Paul will write, 2 Corinthians 4.18, he'll write, Don't fix your eyes on the things which are seen. And we always think that that means our money, our riches, our vacation homes. How much money do I have in the bank? How big is my house? Don't fix your eyes on the things which are seen. It means that, but it means something else. Don't fix your eyes on your circumstance. Fix your eyes upstairs. As I wrote this sermon this week, I kept thinking of a 22-year-old girl who I had talked to during the week. And I kept trying to tell her this. Don't fix your eyes on health matters. Don't fix your eyes on boyfriend matters. Don't fix your eyes on job matters. Fix your eyes on the things not seen. Fix your eyes on the promises of God. Because then you're free. Do you understand? If you fix your eyes on, I've got cancer. If you fix your eyes, I'm going through a divorce. If you fix your eyes on, my boss is the meanest person in the world, but I need this job. If you fix your eyes on the things that are seen in your life, you are not going to escape the fear and the worry that comes. You're not going to escape the anger that comes. You are not. But if you fix your eyes on the Lord, He will set you free. She's bedbound for 20 years. Her husband is wheelchair-bound for 20 years. And the joy that comes out of that home has to be written about, forms its, finds its way into a hymn. Apostle Paul wrote, short time after he was singing in midnight, having been beaten half to death, he writes, Romans 8.10, The sufferings of this present time, not worthy to be compared to the glory about to be revealed to us. Jesus said in John 8.31, If you hold to my teachings... You will know the truth. If you believe my promises, you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Sometimes I sing because I'm happy. 
I won't do what Pastor Shower does and try and sing from the pulpit, although I thought about doing that, but I figured I'd save your ears. Sometimes you sing because you're happy. And sometimes you sing even more powerfully because you're free. His promise, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. He will set you free. Closing word. We hardly ever, we hardly ever sing hymns at weddings. But we always sing hymns at funerals. Strange. The wedding is the joy, the funeral is the sorrow. But we always sing hymns at funerals. Why? Because the people sitting right there during the funeral, they sing because they're free. I know that my Redeemer lives. Amazing grace, when I've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, I have no less days to sing His praise than when I first began. Henry Letterman, professor of mine, he wrote a hymn from the 23rd Psalm. He wrote the hymn after he had been diagnosed with a neurological disease that left him unable to teach, unable to walk. And before he lost the ability to write, he wrote hymns. One of them found its way into the hymn book. We sing it always on Good Shepherd Sunday. And whenever I sing that hymn, I get emotional because I knew Henry Letterman. I knew him in the spring of the year when he was strong, and I knew him in the fall of the year when he said to me, Paul, can you help me carry my books to the class? And I said, what's going on? And he said, something's happened. I'll be in a wheelchair soon. He sang because he was free. His illness would rob him of many things. But it would not rob him of the faith that he had in his Lord. It served but to make that faith stronger. Sing, people, sing. Either because you're happy or because you are free. He walks the valleys with you. In our Savior's name, amen. Heavenly Father, 7,000 promises in the Bible. If there were but one promise, that would be sufficient. If there was but one promise that God made, that would be sufficient. But his promises set us free from shame and guilt. And his promises set us free from fear and worry. And his promises set us free from hatred and anger and vengeance and jealousy. Heavenly Father, may we learn what is on the cover of the bulletin. May we learn to rejoice in you always. 
In the worst day we will ever have on this earth, may we rejoice because we know you. And the victory will be ours. The one in you is stronger than the one in the world. Keep us close to you, Lord. Never a moment today that we do not realize your presence, your peace, and your strength. And then we can sing in our Savior's name. Amen.